What attitude do successful people have? How do they behave and how are they when they are with other people? Should we be more generous? Should we be more fair? Or should we take all that we can from them? If you want to know what hidden qualities the most successful people in the world have, let's get started. Well, hello guys. Today's summary is going to be Give and Take by Adam Grant, who is Wharton's, I mean, UPenn's, greatest professor there because he is the best qualified and examined. So let's begin. Well, there is the common phrase that good guys end last, right? But how true is this phrase? Is it true that all good guys finish last, in the last place, last to be picked up, everything? Well, according to conventional philosophy, successful people have three things in common. Motivation, ability, and opportunity. And of course, you need a combination of hard work, talent, and good luck. And there is a fourth ingredient one that most people ignore most of the times and our and it is that our success depends greatly on how we take on interactions with other people every time we interact with another person we make a decision between should we take all the value that we can from this interaction from this conversation from this person or should i give value to this without worrying if I get something in exchange or not. And well, it turns out that people like differ a lot on their preferences of reciprocity. But let's start with the two extremes that exist, the ones that take and the ones that give. Very according to the title, isn't it? Well, it may be pretty obvious what their preferences are and how they act. First of all, the ones that take live in a competitive world. They feel that to be successful, they need to be better than other people. They are not like especially cruel, like thinking about how can I hurt somebody? How can I defeat somebody? No, it's not like that. It's, they just want to win. They are competitive. And they with they do this without like being careful and they are very self-protective too. And well, and the people that give are relatively scarce in the world of businesses and jobs, most of all. I mean, outside of your jobs and professional things and things like that, people that give are way more common, for example, in friendships. Because, I mean, you cannot have a friendship if you don't give something, right? And But, well, inside the professional, like, work area, hell no. They concentrate in other people and what other people need from them. Being somebody who gives does not necessarily imply great acts of sacrifice, like, for example, being like Gandhi or Mother Teresa or something like that. No, it just implies that you have to, like, not take a great close look at your personal costs. You know what I mean? And well, there's also a third style, the balancers, the ones that seek equilibrium. 
in like the interaction. They believe that there must be a balance between what they receive and what they give. For example, if you're a balancer, you believe in the phrase an eye for an eye. And even your personal relationships are like based on this exchange of favors. I mean, there is no tit without tap. You know what I mean? And well, giving, receiving, and matching are three fundamental styles of social interaction, but the lines between them are not inflexible. You can change from one reciprocity style to another while you like travel through different roles and personal relationships. Like for example, the whole of your day, you're not going to be a taker. Maybe you get home from work and then you're a giver, something like that. Or maybe it's just the person that makes you change. For example, maybe you like somebody at your work, maybe you dislike the other person. You get what I mean? And well, it wouldn't be surprising that you would act as a taker when you are negotiating a salary, but as a giver when you are like giving somebody advice, somebody that has less experience, like somebody, like a coworker or something like that. Or maybe you're a matcher because I mean, you're a little bit competitive, but you also don't want to be mean. It varies from situation, from person, from everything. And in fact, Like patterns of success based in reciprocity styles are very, very clear to the naked eye. For example, if I asked you to guess who has more chances of like ending up in the last place on the like scale of success, who would you say fits in there? The ones that give, the ones that take or matchers? Well, investigations showed that the ones that sink to the bottom of this success ladder are givers. And well, and there is a wide like variety of occupations that are important and whatever. And funny thing is that in all occupations, in all like areas of industries or whatever, people that are givers have a disadvantage because like they improve the general situation of everybody else but they sacrifice their own success in the process whether if they are engineers doctors sailors whatever they always sink to the bottom besides it has been shown that the ones that give earn 14% less than their counterparts like in average. Not only that, they have a 28% more chance of becoming a victim of somebody, like becoming a victim of a crime and being judged. And they are like taken to be 22% less powerful and less dominant. So if givers are at the bottom, then who's at the top? Is it the takers or the matchers? Well, actually, you know what? Fun fact is none of them. Because when you look at the data again, you realize givers are at the top too. It's the funniest thing ever. And well, the worst and the best. It's really weird. And well, can obviously suppose that takers and matchers are somewhere in the middle spread out. That that varies a lot actually, but they are always constantly in the middle. 
whether they are matchers or takers. And well, people like underappreciate the success of givers, and it is a fact. The common stereotype of people that give is that they are losers, that they are lame, and well, that is not true because they actually lead most of the time. They are not only the last people, they are also the first. However, people don't know that. The fear of being judged as weak or incapable or something like that impedes many people acting like givers at work precisely because of this stereotype because you don't want to be like you don't want to be the weak guy you don't want to be the one that doesn't know anything you know you want to be something who's powerful and many times we think that givers are not powerful people Many people that maintain the values of a giver in a normal life, like in your regular day-to-day -day life, choose to be matchers as a principal style of reciprocity in their workplace. And people that prefer to give or match often feel pressured to like incline themselves in the direction of the receptor. Overall, when they perceive that a place of work is competitive, They also don't want to look bad in front of their peers or bosses and they don't want to be exploited because they are like good nice guys. And well, let's analyze these important things. The ones that take usually win because somebody else is losing and they make that very visible. That's why maybe you think that takers always win because they make it like very visible and always somebody has to lose. But investigations demonstrate that people like envy the ones that they take and they search for ways of like make making make them lower their level. On the other hand, the ones that give when they win, people support them and encourage them. It's like, yeah, I'm in your team. I support you. That doesn't happen with people that take. And well, when givers win, it generally affects in a positive manner everybody else. It's a big, huge contrast. And this creates value. They don't take value, they create it for everybody else. And it is easier to win in a world where everybody wants you to win, right? And where you have no enemies. It should actually be way easier to work this way. It is true that givers don't always like win or are successful like immediately. Givers need time to generate goodwill and trust, but eventually they establish good reputations and relationships that in that exponentially improve their success. And well, it is possible that we like evolved as people that take For example, when the first industrial revolution came and workers like earned by how much they produced in a day, it wasn't convenient to give your earnings to another person, was it? No, it wasn't an efficient decision. So you had to be a taker like to stay on top and to survive even. But nowadays, there is a really, really high percentage of people that work in service jobs. For example, like interconnected jobs, interconnected companies, and providing services for other people, like helping other people. 
And if you don't believe me, let me tell you that today more than 80% of American citizens work given like a service job. They work in services. More than 80%. You know how much that is? That's almost everybody. Um, as the service sector continues to expand, more and more people are giving priority to providers that are establishing relationships and reputation as givers. And well, let's see if it's true or not. You wait for your doctor, your lawyer, your teacher, your dentist, your plumber, your real estate agent, whatever. They, you want them to give you value. You don't want them to take value from you, right? Comprehending what given, why giving is so powerful and so dangerous is the main focus of this book. First, we will analyze the benefits and then the costs of being somebody who gives. It, and it may make you change your opinions and your way of acting. But if you do it only to be successful, let me tell you, it won't work that's been selfish and well let's go for the first part the benefits over centuries we have recognized the importance of the creation of networks for example networking and well networking as we call it nowadays right well networks have three main advantages they offer you private information they offer you a diverse set of abilities and power. When a solid network is developed, people can gain access to invaluable knowledge, to experience and the influence of other powerful people. In fact, an extensive investigation shows that people with rich networks obtain higher qualifications, higher like salaries and faster promotions. And due to networks based basing in interactions and relationships with other people, they act as a powerful prism to comprehend this, the impact of reciprocity styles and success. So, how do people relate to others in their networks and which do they believe is the purpose of the creation of networks? And well, on another hand, there are also some negative connotations. Maybe somebody is like approaching us and they look super friendly and all else, right? And we think, oh, maybe he's just acting like that to take advantage of me. And well, we think that because probably it has already happened to us before, right? And well, meanwhile, givers and takers, like, they can have equally wide networks, but givers produce value that lasts way longer in their networks and in ways that maybe are not so obvious. And well, do you want to know how to discover if somebody is a taker and is pretending to be a giver? Well, we know that takers tend to be dominant and controllative, right, with their subordinates. And, well, they are actually surprisingly, like, different to their superiors. Like, they will be dominant with you if they are, if you are under their control, but they will be, like, so, so, like, malleable with their supervisors and bosses. That's how you spot a liar. Like, a sheep 
and like a wolf dressed as a sheep. <laughs> and well, the true measure of a man is is how he like deals with somebody that cannot offer him anything in exchange. Like how well would you treat somebody who cannot do anything for you? That's how you measure somebody. And well, generally when we see a taker, we recognize him and we want to punish him in some way. Because, I mean, it's not because of vengeance necessarily, but because of a sense of justice. And well, a wide and known form of punishing, of punishing them or making justice is talking about what they do, gossiping about what they really are, like making people know that they are not trustworthy, that they are this, that they are that, etc. You know how it goes. And somebody that is wrong that people do is thinking that independence is a sign of strength and that interdependence is a weakness. And well, takers are the ones that mostly live in this like philosophy. They think that they are superior to everybody else and that they don't need help ever. And well, people that give see interdependence as a source of complementation. Meanwhile, like many people like reunite their abilities and they do a better work because of this interdependence. Everybody gives something else and they can innovate this way. And well, generally when you work or when you are with somebody else, you will have more like, like contributions. Let's say two people work together. They don't think and they say like I did 55 and he did a 45% of the whole work because yeah, that, that adds up to 100. But personally, when you're working with somebody else, it is most likely that you think, I did a 60% of the job, but the other person is also thinking that. We tend to exaggerate our own contributions in comparison to the actual contributions of other people. And it is a mistake that the receptors are especially vulnerable to, and it is partially impulsated by the desire of seeing ourselves and presenting ourselves positively. Now, moving on to another subject. How can we influence somebody else? Research suggests that there are two fundamental paths to influence other people. There is dominion and there is prestige. When we talk about dominion, we gain influence because other people see us as a strong, powerful, and authoritarian. When we win prestige, we become influent because other people respect us and they admire us. I think you can guess which reciprocity style chooses which path to take to influence people, right? Well, the point is that winning prestige to influence other people is way better than trying to dominate people. And well, let me tell you, there are lots of ways to do this. For example, you could first of all like admit your mistakes in front of other people. That helps you build trust and it breaks to break the ice sometimes. Because to have respect, you have to have trust first. And the first thing that we can do is like, try not to give like messages or speeches that are too strong or they seem to have like too, way too much authority. 
because what will happen is that we will have like to be suspicious about the information that is presented to us or because maybe like when you give something that is too big or something like that in speeches or information you maybe you think it's too good to be true or you don't trust it you know what i mean and for experience we know this when some when something is too good to be true it's not real we're not gonna buy it And did you know that you can influence people by just making questions? Look, for example, they they did an experiment in where they asked people if they were going to vote in the next presidential election in a certain country. Only by asking somebody that simple question, you make them 41% more likely to actually go and vote. Questions are way, way more powerful than you think. Also, if you give suggestions through questions, you are not giving commands, you see? And it's way nicer for people like that. They will listen to you more, trust me. For example, instead of saying, do it like this, you could say, and how about if we made it like this? I mean, just to try it. I mean, they will be like, okay, yeah, just try it. And they, they will see it's better and then they will obey you. And they will not only listen to you more, but they will respect you. They won't think that you're mean or that you're trying to win over them or that you're abusing them. No. And well, changing the subject. Only like to give you background information. Being a giver may like being somebody that gives like from themselves makes you way more happy as a person. I mean, there have been tons of studies that have shown this. For example, if you buy presents for somebody else instead of for yourself, that that buying process makes you way more happier. For example, when you buy a present for somebody who like makes you feel special and maybe, I don't know, it's your best friend or something like that, you feel really good when you give them that present and they appreciate it. And there have been other studies that show that having this donor attitude reduces depression. There are many, many personal benefits to this attitude and this reciprocity style. But wait... I bet you're now thinking, and if I become a person that gives all my all to other people, won't I be tired? Won't I be exhausted? And well, there are many people who think that this is true. But the more you give of yourself to others without looking anything in exchange, truth is, you never get tired. You never get really tired. And there have been also studies about this and proof that there is no like exhaustion due to giving and helping other people and being there for other people. It's not something that drains you. It's something that empowers you. Some people who were part of the experiment felt that they were getting tired because of this, because of helping others and being there for everybody. But what they did was actually they became more of a giver And then they didn't feel bad anymore. Giving is not tiring. It is not exhausting. It is not consuming.
Obviously, you don't have to go like to the whole extreme where literally you give everything from yourself and you never think in yourself. We're not telling you that. We're just telling you that you should be more of a giver than of a taker because it has way more benefits for you. You will get farther that way. Think about it this way. You can always be kind. You can always be generous to people in general. You don't have to like give favors because it's an obligation like to be good or something like that. You don't have to think before giving something to somebody else. Does this person deserve it or not? You just have to know if it's worth it, if you can do it, if you have the time. And if, you, if it checks out, then do it. You won't lose anything. On the other hand, that person will be grateful. And well, for example, if we meet somebody who's a bad person and we are under no obligation of making them a favor or doing anything for them, what we should do is not be mean to them. We should be nice and think about other people. Other people can be very competitive and they can have a really bad attitude because of that, but they are still people and we should try to understand them and being better than them. It's, it's as simple as that. And well, guys, with that, it's the end of the summary of this book, which I thought was great. And it reminds us of that, like, we need to be better. We need to be better. That's it. And well... Goodbye, see you next week. I hope you had a fun time. Have a good week.